Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 58 of the Caesars Show. Back at it. Um, I'm sorry that I couldn't deliver some content to you guys last week. Um, I was actually very, very sick, had the whole stomach bug. Don't want to get too much into that, but I'm healthy right now and uh, I'm back and better than ever. So it's great. You know, Headband C is in the building right now. Um, so before I recap you guys on last week's episode, I just want to introduce. One of my very early, early guests from um, early on in the podcast, we were just making jokes about how uh, <laughs> I used to be with my boy Wrestling, who produced the uh, the beat for everything for the Caesar Show, the intro. How uh, we used to go to his like his tight ass room, um, and we had one mic sharing it, going back and forth, and sometimes it'd make a little the dungeon. You know what I'm saying? It, it was bad, but um, humble beginnings, um, and you know just continue to be blessed, but. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, make some noise for my boy, Wave, a.k.a. The Hood Woj. How you living, man? Doing good, man. It's good to be here, you know. It's been a while, but... And it also took us a while to get this <laughs> set up going. Yeah. Uh, we've been trying to link for a while, but um, I've been good, you know. Usual things, a couple of promo things. I'm not going to plug them right here. Maybe yeah. a little later on. The yeah, yeah, for sure, know. for sure. Actually, if you want to promote it, go ahead and do that right now. No, no, no. I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it for a little later. <laughs> but um, I'm glad to be here, man. It's been a while. Mm. And I'm glad, ready to give the people what they want. I know y'all miss me. We give the people yeah. what they want. Shout out to Jalen Rose. <laughs> um, yeah, so just to recap, uh, you guys, on episode 58, uh, Trey was up here, the co-host. Um, and basically, we talked about a couple things. Um, Kawhi and PG's Clipper introduction. Had fun with that. Um, the fact that LeBron James got no votes from execs, coaches, um, for best player in the NBA, which was stupid. Um, and then we also talked about Zion Shudio or MJ, NBA tampering, um, Bradley Beal getting that, you know, being eligible for a contract extension and much more. So, fun-filled episode. I hope today will be another great episode as well, too. So, um, without further ado, you ready? you ready to get into it? I've been ready, man. All right, bet. Let's get it. Let's get it. So the first topic I want to talk about today is the NBA All-Decade Team. So uh, I believe it was Monday, late Monday, um, the NBA.com released an official All-Decade Team. So it starts off from the the 2009-10 season, and it basically ends at... 2018-19 season, which doesn't make sense because if it's a decade, it should end when this upcoming season is over. But I'm going to tell you why I think they did that later. Actually, we can say it now because of Kobe Bryant. We'll get into that. Um, but the list was crazy. So there's a first team, second team, and third team. And then uh, basically the way that they formatted it was they're basing it basically off of your stats and also basically your accomplishments. And they kind of had that all-star format now where they have two backcourt and three front court. Um, so we can go with the first um, team. So first team, I didn't really – have any objections to it. Maybe uh, the Hood Wolves right here might, uh, you know, disagree with a few things. But Steph Curry um, made it in the backcourt along with James Harden. And then in the front court we had uh, the GOAT, LeBron James, KD, and then we also had Kawhi Leonard. Um, so some notable things I want to point out to you guys, Steph Curry, um, you know, six-time All-Star. Uh, you know, he's a guy who basically changed the – dynamic of the NBA and where it's going now, where we stress a lot of floor spacing and three-point shooting and how he's just revolutionized the game. And, you know, kids now um, are 
are basically redefining their game. Um, you know, I be seeing killers worked out today. I saw people taking half court three point shots for no reason. Like the basic fundamentals are just went out of the whole game itself. Uh, so that's a guy who you know uh, is probably going to go down as one of the best three point shooters of all time. Um, if he stays healthy, he's, he's already the best three point shooter of all time. Let's be real. Um, still got some stats to chase, um, and you know he's managed to get two uh, regular season MVPs, and at the same time, um, he was able to go to the finals for five straight years, which is pretty cool, and he ended up getting three rings, so um, couldn't really argue against that at all. You, you really can't. Um, with James Harden, you know, that's the guy that came up on the scene. Um, I remember when he was just a baby at OKC, um, and then after that, you know, they went to the finals his second year, I believe, and then after that, they didn't want to pay the luxury tax. I don't know why. That could have been the modern-day Warriors with James Harden, KD, and Russell Westbrook. Cheap. Look at the face right there. That's what I'm, looking, that's what I'm doing right now. Um, cheap, very cheap. Um, and from that, you know, Daryl Morey, you know, saw some potential in him, traded for him, um, and he was on the Rockets. And ever since then, you know, he's been seven-time um, All-Star, six-time All-NBA player, averaged 24, 5, and 6. Um, I think he went to two Western Conference Finals, I think, with the Dwight Howard stint. And, uh, you know, with Chris Paul, obviously it kind of sucks that, you know, you run into such a dynamic team like the Warriors, so it's kind of hard to get to the finals. But he's been doing some things that we've never seen. Um, he's arguably probably – one of the best scores that we've seen, like besides KD in this decade. Um, and with him, you know, that step back is crazy. He's probably the best at, you know, going to the line as well, too. And, you know, um, I really love his game. And then hardest player to guard right now. Hardest player to guard right now. But in the playoff time, it's another story. You get to have two weeks to game plan for someone. Um, <laughs> and then we got KD. Uh, KD, you can't really. I don't really have to talk about his resume, for real, for real. Uh, one of the best um, pure scores ever, um, and also best pure score this decade. Ten-time uh, All-Star, nine-time All-NBA, averaged twenty-eight seven and four in his sleep. Uh, went to the finals what th four times now? First one time OKC, three times with uh, the Warriors. Um, one-time regular season MVP, I think multiple-time scoring champion. Um, and also, you know, he beat LeBron James twice, uh, two times in the finals, two times finals MVP. So uh, much respect to him. Kawhi Leonard, which is a tough one. Um, <laughs> I feel like out of all of them, it's kind of spooky. <laughs> this is a guy who came to the scene um, same year as Clay. I think he came in 2011, I believe, or 2000, yep. 2011. Um, three-time All-Star, uh, three-time All-NBA, two-time Defensive Player of the Year, two-time Finals MVP, um, runner-up for regular season MVP as well, too. Um, and just relentless. So um, props to him. His averages are a little lower than everyone else, but, you know, he was molded under San Antonio. Um, so, you know, Third he couldn't – he, he wasn't like a LeBron James. Like, looking at all these players aside from James Harden those first two years, he wasn't able to be that go-to guy. He had to basically earn that. And, you know, Tim Duncan, um, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, they were still towards the end of their prime. So – Basically, they had to wait till they got too old, and then they started to incorporate him more. And, you know, he's self-made. But I think one of the reasons why he's actually on this list was because the fact that he won um, a finals MVP in two different teams as well. So, like I said, he's been the best, arguably, two best two-way player for the last couple of years and one of the best perimeter defenders as well, too. Um, and then 
Say the best for last, LeBron James. 10-time All-Star, 10-time uh, All-NBA, average 27, 8 and 8. Um, just the best player of our generation. What? How many finals, straight finals appearance? Eight? Eight straight Eight finals, straight finals appearance. This was the first year he actually got to relax trial period with the Lakers, playing with young talent, but... MVP candidate every year. Every year. They don't want to give him the credit. Out of voters fatigue, so you can't really argue against that. Um... He got robbed defensive player of the year, too, for real, for real. Marcus Hall won that one year. He should have won that. Um, but what he does on and off the floor should never go unnoticed. Um, is truly one of the GOATs, and, you know, it's nothing but great things for him moving forward. He's going to have a comeback year. So my question for you, um, Woj, out of all these five players, do you agree, disagree? Just give me your insights on that. Um, when I look at this list, it's not really – much wrong with it as far as this first team. Um, some could argue that Kawhi shouldn't be on first team. Mm -hmm. He should be replaced by someone who we'll bring up later who's on the third team. <laughs> someone could argue that. But um, as far as accolades go, Kawhi, he's the dynasty killer. That's what they're calling him now. Mm -hmm. The claw number two. Dynasty um, killer. I forgot about that. Had this been next year, mm -hmm. It'll probably help his case more. Um, but he could – he he strikes me as someone who flip-flops in between that first and second team. Like Either way, I feel like where he is now is good. I feel like third team would be basically like putting him – like short-ending short him. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, Steph – uh, ah, that changed the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> only unanimous MVP too. So, oh yeah, he is the only unanimous MVP. I forgot to mention that. Beyond Kawhi, um, maybe going down a notch to add someone else who I think we'll talk about later. Um, mm. I think this first team is pretty solid. Yeah, especially Definitely. for the backcourt, frontcourt um, thing they implemented. All right, so moving on to second team. Um, this one was pretty interesting. Uh, I kind of got a few objections about it, but for the most part, I'm pretty satisfied with it. Um, so the backcourt, you got CP3, um, seven-time All-Star, six-time All-NBA. Um, throughout that time span, average 18, 10, and four. Um, honestly, with him, best pure point guard, I would say, of that all-decade team. Um, you know, is it just sucks that he never until he until he linked with James Harden, he's never able to get over that hump to get to the conference finals. But when you look at it, and we're gonna talk about it with Blake Griffin as well, too. Although they had their quote unquote big three with Blake, DeAndre Jordan, and Chris Paul, one thing that really derailed them was injuries. Um, so I feel like if there really weren't that many injuries, and Chris Paul made some bonehead ass plays as well too. Like I, I, I still remember when they played against OKC. I think it was Game Five or Game Six. They were up, and I think Reggie Jackson was guarding him, and he tried to like draw a foul like before the half court line. Do you remember that shit? Um, he just did some dumb stuff to like cost him, um, and I ain't like that. Moving on from that, but uh, I think with Chris Paul. You know, just a true true leader, um, true floor general. Um, he can give you a bucket during that era. He can give you a bucket whenever. And, um, you know, he's just undersized, basically like an undersized LeBron James and whatnot. But um, 
Good dude. Uh, how do you feel about Chris Paul on that list? I I, I agree with it. Uh, as far as um, decade team, yeah, I would uh, put Chris Paul there. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know me, you know I have. I'm very critical of mm. Chris Paul. Um, Why is that? I feel as if he is the cancer to a lot of mm. his teams. Okay. Um, if you look at the Clippers, uh, a lot of people saw how they constantly made playoffs, but yet they weren't able to make it to that over that Western Conference Finals hump. Or mm-hmm. to that Western Conference Finals hump. Didn't they uh, play, I want to say, they played a Harden when he had uh, Josh Smith. That's when Harden was getting benched. <laughs> <laughs> they, had a, they, beat, they lost to a Harden when he, when he had a Josh Smith. Um, I think Chris Paul's attitude has a 3-1. 3-1. <laughs> <three, one. laughs> I think uh, Chris Paul's attitude has a lot to do with it. Um, I used to think uh, it was Blake. But um, I mean, you can argue Blake, too, because with Chris Paul, I always felt like Blake, to me, was their go-to guy. Yeah. And with him, he I thought he was one of those players where it's like, all right, it's the fourth quarter, six minutes to go, one possession game. I'm going to give you the ball in the post. Go to fucking work. And I felt like with Blake, that was one thing that he lacked was that go-to move or just that dog mentality when it mattered the most because Chris Paul couldn't do all on his own. And another thing with DeAndre Jordan, say he's a big three, but what – is he really good for? You can't really have him down the stretch because they're just going to do the hack of, hack of DeAndre Jordan. So I just felt like there's a lot of things you can argue against that, but I wouldn't put it necessarily all on CP3. Yeah, as far as uh, the Clippers, you can't put it all on CP3. That is mm-hmm. the truth. But I look at him as coming into that. He was the vet. Yeah, He was the person who was getting the biggest money. He was um, supposed to be that leader as the point guard. Mm-hmm. Um. And I just feel like he dropped the ball in multiple ways as far as, like, attitude. The way he goes about the game, I've heard that as far as refing and officiating, I heard he's one of the hardest person to deal with <laughs> with officiating. Because <laughs> even though he is a, po- a pure point guard and one of the best basketball minds still playing today, he also can run off at the mouth a lot. He's yeah. very uh, defiant from what I heard with officials. He will argue with them. You think that rubs off on the team too? It definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, even with his current, well, not his current, but his most recent situation with the Rockets, with the Rockets and uh-huh. Harden. Yeah. Um, I feel as if the speculation about Harden and CP3 not seeing eye to eye was total like BS. And I feel like, well, not BS, but like as far as him, like coming back and saying, like, this is news to me. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was BS. I feel like um, that they probably did bump heads. Yeah. And what tipped it off to me was the Harden post-game interview after they had lost to the not the Yeah, the, after they had lost to the Warriors this past year. What did he say again? He said, when they asked, uh, do you guys know exactly, like, do you guys know what is wrong or – what could have been done differently. Oh, that's what Harden was like. I know exactly what we need to do. Harden had the look. He said, I know Get exactly what we need to do. And um, I feel like getting rid of Chris Paul was a part of that. They just didn't see out of eye like they thought they would. And I argued about this in a, a couple of podcasts ago, like when he actually got traded. I was like, yo, like their team was so dynamic that I felt like they shouldn't 
always rely on James Harden, like with ISO ball. They could have definitely moved the ball around more. And I can see where Chris Paul was coming from with that. You know, you're not really utilizing him. You're not really getting him in pick and rolls like that. You're just having him stand to the corner the whole time while James Harden tries to do his work. I felt like if they would have changed some things up, they could have definitely beat the Warriors, especially without KD. But we'll save that topic for another day. Uh, moving on from that. Russell Westbrook was not mad about this at I'm all. Sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Despite my feelings towards Chris Paul, I do feel that he, he deserves, deserves to be on team. this second team. Bet. Uh, yeah. Um, so moving on, Russell Westbrook uh, definitely, without a doubt, deserves second team. I'm not even going to argue against this. Eight-time All-Star, eight-time All-NBA, average 24, uh, 7, and 9. Um, in the last three seasons, he's averaged a triple-double, uh, one of the the most athletic point guard we've ever seen, um, ever. Uh, and, you know, given what he has, he always finds a way to put his team in position to get to the playoffs. Um, and he's just been relentless, and I like the whole why not mentality, and I feel like when he goes to use, he's going to do, do well. But um, he's been one of the top – it's been like – before Steph Curry came on the scene, for real, for real, it was like Chris Paul, Westbrook, Chris Paul, Westbrook, for real, for real. Um, but he's always been up there. What are your thoughts about CP? I mean, not CP, uh, Russell Westbrook. Um, dog of the decade. If I had to give him, if I had to give him a title, <laughs> uh, this man is a full-on dog. Um, dog of the decade. I like that. Dog of the decade. Uh, we should make our own list dogs of the decade. I think his intensity... And um, his competitiveness uh, is unmatched. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like he's honestly won finals, like one finals appearance, or not even appearance, wrong wrong word. I'll say he's won win, like one ring away from being first team. Honestly, mm-hmm. if I feel like he made it to the finals and won the finals, I feel as if that he could be put ahead of Steph Curry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like Russ as this uh, number two, mm-hmm. the second team. Um, as far as stats go, yeah, he's number two. He's OD. He, 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 he <laughs> he's OD. Um, God, I hate Steph because Russ definitely deserves this first team. Steph but. came out of nowhere, bro, and it's crazy too. It's like, what if KD never went to the Warriors? Would Steph be on first team? Russ may be right there. Exactly. If Katie never went there, Russ will probably have a championship. At least go to the finals. But that's just how that's just, that's just how the game works, man. Um, moving from that, as far as the front court, uh, Anthony Davis made second team. Um, six All Stars, three All NBAs, averaged 24, 11, and two, um, two playoff appearances. Um, uh, how do you feel about that? I mean, he's been dominant. Uh, I would say the only thing with him is probably just his health, health and yeah. the fact that New Orleans never really took the time to build around him, um, which kind of you know diminished what he was trying to accomplish, kind of like in that KG sense as well too. But he's been pretty dominant, um, top five prospect. Yeah. Uh, they only built around him one year for real, the time they had Ray John Rondo and Boogie. Yeah. Like that was it. Like. It was. It's just hard. And then uh, they let them both go. And they let them both go. And then he just. Did, and he's like, "Yo, I'm about to rock." <laughs> once, once earlier in the season last year, when he changed representation, went to Rich Paul. I was like, "Yeah, he, he's, he's out of there. Go out of yeah. there." I already knew what it was too. Um, but how you feel about AD? I mean, I don't really have nothing to say about him. I, I mean, I think he. I think he. 
from a talent perspective and his numbers, he yeah. deserves it. I was ready to say, I feel like this choice is uh, one of the most straightforward ones. Mm-hmm. Um, 24, 10, 2. Probably one of the best big men or most dominant big men since Shaq, damn near. That's what we're looking at. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, he deserves this completely. Second team. Um, someone could maybe argue first team, but I think he hasn't he hasn't seen enough All NBA teams, and his help uh, holds him back a lot. Okay, but cool. he's heading to that first team though. Oh, uh, if they get a ring, with, if you get a ring with the Lakers, definitely, because um, he's gonna be a part of the next decade team too. He's only what twenty five. Yeah, yeah. So he's good. Um, next is Blake Griffin, um, six time All Star, five time All NBA, <clears throat> average twenty two nine and five. Um, assists in that stint as well, too. Um, so this was a freak athlete um, coming into the NBA. I remember his first year, he didn't even get to play because he blew his ACL out, mm-hmm. um, came back. Jumping over cars. Um, it was just fun to watch him. Um, Lob City was created with him and DeAndre Jordan, Chris Paul leading the way. Um, and I thought that he... He was one of my favorite players uh, to watch uh, as far as, like, power forwards. Um, and he's redefined his game ever since as well, too. Another yeah. thing that derailed him was injuries. Um, but he's kind of in that Chris Paul atmosphere where you have this – you have a perfect team built around you. You have all this hype around you. You got the coach you want, mm-hmm. and you just underachieve. And like I said, the biggest knock that I had on him uh, was just that dog mentality – going into the playoffs when it matters the most. Like, what are you going to do? He showed us glimpses of it. Because I remember that Spurs-Clippers series. It's probably one of my favorite first-round series, like, of all time this decade when they went seven games. Yeah. Yeah, and then Chris Paul hit that wild that, shot over that Tim crazy, Duncan. That crazy. Uh, uh, I was like, yo, yeah, bro. I was like, yo, this is the year. Once they beat the Spurs, I was like, yo, this is their year to win the whole thing. Underachieve. But <laughs> what Blake's done for the game um, has been pretty good. Uh I'm not really opposed to it. I mean, you can probably say you can fly, you can probably sw- switch him for another player and put like Lamarcus Aldridge there or something like that. But um, I'm pretty content with him being um, on that team. Um, as far as Blake goes, I would. Uh, yeah, Blake. If it was up to me, I personally would put him on the third team. Mm-hmm. Even though I still feel though. That Blake is a underrated player. Yeah, um, he doesn't get as much recognition as he used to, mm-hmm. but I feel like he deserves it more now. The way he's refined his game to the new style of play. Yeah, he's bringing the ball up the court. I love, now. I love the point forward, Blake. He's yeah. shooting the three at a pretty good clip for a big. Mm-hmm. Um, and even now, like I don't know if you guys have noticed, uh, he has a little handle. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not. Ben Simmons or LeBron, but um, he has a little something. He yeah. got a little something now. Um, if it was up to me, I would put him third team, though, um, and probably swap out uh, D-Wade or Kobe. <laughs> personally, just to me. Yeah. Um, but we'll talk about that in a second. Cool. And the last person on this list. <laughs> My main man. <laughs> Main man. Go ahead, you can tell the audience. Last person on this list, we have Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony, who averaged. <laughs> 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 
come on, man. Don't, don't disrespect <laughs> Melo, man. Go ahead, go, go <laughs> ahead. Carmelo Anthony, <laughs> who has seen eight all-star appearances, all-NBA team three times. He averaged 24, 7, and 3. Carmelo Anthony, my God, Knicks tape. Okay. Uh, yeah, I feel... Um, you think he deserves it? I feel Melo deserves second team. As far as the decade goes, uh, despite what what's happening in recent months to years, um, <laughs> Melo definitely deserves this all-decade nomination. Um, he created the Knicks tape. He the reason people still cheer for the Knicks now. Yeah, definitely made them relevant. Um, I remember he got traded there midseason uh, when he when he won out from Denver. He came with Chauncey Billups. Mm-hmm. Uh, they made the playoffs like three straight say years. Con- Sent the Nuggets to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, it's just one of those things. Like a James Harden, for example, you just run into one of the all time good teams or great players. He ran into Kobe. Mm-hmm. Um, it lost in six, right? Yeah, yeah, he couldn't do anything about that. Uh, but yeah, Melo, uh, you know, revitalized New York. He made them relevant again. Um, it just. It's a tough situation with him because I feel like with how with how he came up with, you know, D Wade and LeBron James, you would think I feel like we should rate him like on their level, but you can't yeah. really rate him on their level. Uh, you know, he brought the Knicks to three playoffs and then after that they were nothing. Um and it kinda sucks too because when he went to the Knicks Amari Stoudemire was supposed to be his number two option, but mm-hmm. he started getting knee problems. And I was looking at one series. Um, I forgot what year it was. I think it was the 2012, 13, 2013 playoffs. Uh, he basically blew out his knee. And when he, when Amari Stoudemire came back, he was like a six-man role. Um, and I was looking up his stats. He didn't even play the first round versus Boston. And then when they got to the second round versus Indiana, it was basically mellow or bust. So it kind of sucks because – I think he's another case where injuries derailed him, and with his skill set, he's not like a LeBron who can actually like carry a team. He needs mm-hmm. that certain system around him and certain players around him as well, right. too. Um, he had a young J.R. Smith, young Amon Shumpert, Tyson Chandler, who was basically kind of being out of his prime. Well, yeah, kind of out of his prime. Who else he have? Larry Field, what, what? Landry Field, Landry Field, uh, like, Tyson Chandler, yeah, Chauncey Billups bounced by that time. Amon Shumpert, he had a Jason Kidd at one for one year, I want to say. Yeah, I think he had Jason Kidd for one year, and then he had he had Jeremy Lin, Lin yeah, Sanity, yeah, Lin Sanity, but <laughs> he ain't have shit. He he didn't really have nothing, <laughs> um, and I felt like his just his loyal. See, that's why a lot of like Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum be talking about like loyalty and all that. Like, nah, bro, like. If I don't see the front office making initiatives to get me that talent that I want and the coach I want, then why am I going to commit to you? Shame on you, New York. Shame on you. Definitely. You wasted my man's Melo's last good prime year. And another thing, too, I feel like Phil Jackson kind of like diminished his, not his talent, but his overall name around that as well, too. Yeah. Um, And that's another thing you can point to as well. And Phil Jackson really going to try to add Derrick Rose, who came off hella injuries. Phil Jackson tried Joe to implement the triangle. Triangle. And then uh, hired Jeff Hornacek. <laughs> <laughs> the triangle. What year was that? Like two, uh, 2000 and what? So the year before he went to OKC. 16, was it? 20, so 20, 15, 16? 2016, 17. Season. Yeah. No, 2015, 16 season. <laughs> the triangle. The triangle? Yeah. Oh. It don't oh. make sense, man, but. 
Mello, you earned my respect. I was looking at your highlights the other day. He was a savage, bro. Bro, one of the best scorers of our generation. One of the best scorers. So props to you, my guy. Um, now we go to the third team. Um, pretty interesting list. Uh, D. Wade, who was eight-time All-Star during that stint. I think there's an asterisk by so seven-time All-Star, eight because of the farewell tour, uh, four-time All-NBA, average 20 uh, five and five. I put him up there too because, um, you know, he was one of the catalysts of, you know, that little mini dynasty that Miami had. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when LeBron James left to go back to Cleveland, um, he still took it upon himself, even with Chris, Chris Bosch's health situation to carry that team, mm-hmm. um, still went to the playoffs and gave you some vintage D Wade. I remember that series against, uh, Charlotte first round. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. And then, when they almost beat the Raptors, they were about to get to the Eastern Conference Finals to face the Cavs. Um, D Wade, man, he he there's nothing really to say. Um, his resume speaks for himself, um, and I give him a lot of props to molding LeBron James into the leader he is now as well too. And I feel like without D Wade, uh, there would be no um, you know three-time champion um, in a LeBron James as well too. Uh, but what are your thoughts about D Wade? Do you think he deserves the NBA um, All Third Team? I uh, do not think he deserves third team. I could possibly swap, like I said, I would swap D-Wade with a Blake Griffin. I mean, if we had to stay with positions, then, of course, he could stay where he is because I feel as if. So so, so what 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 is making you not want him? Like, what do you make him, what makes him not deserve to be on that? Um, all third team, like what about his game? Like what? Um, well, if we look at it, this is the decades team. Two thousand nine is when he started. Well, when we start looking at this, I'm sorry. Um, two thousand nine. How Same many? Season. Yeah, two thousand nine, two thousand ten season. He's had what? Uh, two championships since then. Two championships. Uh, four straight finals appearances. Um, and then two thousand nine, ten season. Uh, I think he was OD with the stats. I think that it was either that. Yeah, I think it was that. Was it that year that um, he arguably could have been an MVP candidate, but yeah, not that much. But they gave it to LeBron. I want to say yeah, they gave it to LeBron. Um, yeah, I felt as if he's had all the right things going for him. Um, even still, even when uh, LeBron James left Miami. He stayed there, and he was averaging, I want to say, 23. like about 23. I thought it was like 21, but um, uh, as you said, 23 points. And that's just ridiculous. Like, I feel like if you can't put D. Wade, who's a certified Hall of Famer legend, who practically made a lot of the first half of this decade that we're looking at, mm-hmm. and then put Blake Griffin – on the second team, I, I feel like that's disrespect. I mean, yeah, but at the but same time, I'm backcourt, frontcourt too. I'm also looking at the overall of D Wade being yeah. a Hall of Famer and where he is now and okay. everything. So, um, out of respect, I would have put him ahead of Blake. Okay, well, one thing I can say, if he's not deserving of that, what you can do is swap him out for another backcourt player, and who I'd swap him out for if I had to would probably be Damian Lillard. Um, Damian Lillard came into the scene, I think, 2012-13 season. Average 24-6-4, one steal, 89% from free throw, 37% from three. Um, four-time All-Star, four-time All-NBA, and 
ever since he's been drafted, there hasn't been a year where he hasn't been to the playoffs as well, too. And I think that's another player that gets underappreciated. But like I said, it's kind of hard because a lot of times you put the accolades there, too. So no rings, only been to one Western Conference Finals. You can't really, you know, go against D-Way going to finals four straight times and winning two rings. But um, I was just thinking, one thing I could also do, replace D-Way with, well, replace CP3 with D-Wade. What has CP3 done more than D-Wade in the last decade? So put CP3 third team and D-Wade second team? and D-Wade second team. I, I, I like that. I actually would like that way more. It would make me not cringe looking at this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Cool. And then moving on from there, uh, you got Kobe Bean Bryant, who was a seven-time All-Star. Uh, four-time All-NBA, and during that stint, averaged 25-5-5. and um, So this was like the biggest thing going on NBA Twitter, just all over social media. Does Kobe deserve this or not? And this is what I was saying a little early on, because they're rating the All-Decade team from 09-10 season, and it stops at 2018-19 season. So if you're doing All-Decade, like I said earlier, you should do – 9-10 to 2019-20 season, so wait till this upcoming season is over with, then decide. But I think they want to make it relevant. Um, that season was the year that they had the best record um, in the Western Conference, and of then course. he uh, you know, won that championship grueling seven games against the Boston Celtics, um, got his revenge on them, and that was his, as his two-peat as well, too. Um, with this one, I don't know, because it's like I love Kobe. He's one of my favorite players, but I don't think he should have been on the third team because after that year was over with, like, that's when he started to become – he didn't really necessarily start to become a diminished. I think he still had two pretty good years Yeah. because um, I remember, I think, they didn't they get, like, molly whopped by the uh, – whatchamacallit? OKC? OKC. Right? OKC took him out. OKC took him out. And then after that – All the way. Was that when he snapped his Achilles? Was that I think that, that may have 2012? been 2012. So this was so 2009, 10, he won the ring. 11, 12 was 10, pardon, 11, 10, 10 11 was Dallas. So I think OKC yeah. beat them, and then OKC lost to Dallas or the Spurs in the playoffs. Didn't Kobe lose to Dallas? Did Kobe lose to Dallas? Dallas did beat the Lakers. Yeah. Okay. Kobe so lost to Dallas. okay, no, OKC lost to the Lakers, mm-hmm. and then. Kobe lost to Dallas. Mm -hmm. And then the next year was when OKC came. They had their coming out party and beat the Lakers. They went through everybody. But after that, that's when Kobe, uh, I think Mike D'Antoni came to the Lakers. And uh, I think Dwight came. Steve, Old Steve Nash came. Steve Nash, yeah. Kobe was still carrying that team. Like, I remember they had a losing record. Then he was like, yo, fuck this. I'm not going to be on no minute restriction. Um, <laughs> homie just went stupid. Like, I was like, wow, how are you 35 years old and still getting up like this? Will this team um, to the playoffs? And it sucks the last couple of games. I think they actually played the Warriors, which is kind of ironic because they it was kind of like a passing, passing his torch. His torch yeah. um, he snapped his Achilles, and then he wasn't even able to uh, – he got his team to the playoffs, but he wasn't even able to play. I remember the Spurs um, swept him in the first round. Dwight couldn't give you one game. Soft. 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 <laughs> couldn't give you one game. My favorite Kobe quote. Um, <laughs> yeah, but after that, uh, he tore his Achilles. Then he, I think he had, like, messed up knees, and then he had shoulder separation. So that injuries played a huge effect. And then another thing people like to argue is that 
you know, he wanted to take all that money, which at the time, you know what I'm saying, get yours. But at the same time, it's like, if even though you're diminished, you still have a skill set that's valuable. Mm-hmm. And I felt like you could have done a better job at trying to recruit other players to come play with you, at least to make a playoff run or whatnot. But right. um, his, his situation's tough. Um, I'd say because of those injuries, I wouldn't put him up there, but I would probably replace him. Um, and who I was saying, I said I would replace him with Clay Thompson. Um, that's someone I think that should be up there. Uh, one of the best shooting guards of this decade. Um, five-time All-Star, three-time NBA champion, two-time All-NBA, 2018-19 All-Defensive team. He was a part of one of the greatest regular season teams of all time. Arguably best shooter and average 22 Four rebounds, 85% from the field, 42% from three, and one of the catalysts um, for, you know, help, helping them get to five straight finals. Um, I'll, swap them for, I'll swap them out. I'm probably sick, but uh, how you feel about Kobe? And then I guess my comments. <laughs> this Kobe one is uh, – It's a tough one. It's a toss-up. I'm indifferent about it. I'm mm. indifferent. Um, I like how they try to do the list early now uh-huh. just to include them. Woo-hoo. Um, <laughs> I feel as if Kobe could arguably be put on a higher team. Why? Because of, just look at his accomplishments. If you look at his accomplishments. From 2009-10? From 2009, I'd say up until around 2000, when he had the injury, like 2012-2013. So four years. 2010, finals MVP. 2000. 10, 2016, he was on All Star. 2010, 2013. All right, all right, but, but all right. So with the, with those All Stars, like that's before they changed the rules. You know that. And that's <laughs> when it was just popularity. Like, uh, uh, <laughs> like come on with that one. Keep but going. But at the down. same time, he was an All Star for at least two to three of those years. Yeah, I say from 14 to 16. And no. he made first team three of those years. Okay. Um, defensive Player of the Year, 2010, 2011. I mean, not first team. First team defensive. All team defense, 2010, 2011. And then he averaged 26, 27 points between 2010, 2016. So basically, so basically your rating from the 2009-10 season up until he had the injury, essentially. Yeah. Okay. And I feel and – and people who know me know I am a LeBron mm-hmm. fanatic. I am a LeBron fan. But I feel as if Kobe could be put higher because look who you're putting them against. You're putting them against a Blake Griffin. You're putting them against. But they're doing backcourt, frontcourt, so you can't. You can't. So take out the take out the frontcourt. You put them against a Chris Paul still. Finals MVP does Chris Paul have it? MVP regular season does Chris Paul have it? Mm-hmm. All defensive Chris Paul has those. How long ago was Chris Paul on the defensive team? Mm-hmm. How many does he have? Um, I just feel as if they looked at they looked at the second half of this, like second half of Kobe's of this decade, second yeah. half of this decade, and they saw how Kobe had the fallout, how he had how he was injury stricken, um, and I just feel as if. Since they decided to put it down to 2009 to 19 to add him onto it, I feel as if they should have at least respected him more and put him on like another team. If it's up to me, it sounds like everybody's on the second team to me. Yeah. But um, 
if I had to replace him with someone, it would be a tough decision. It would probably have to be, like you said, a Clay Thompson, or even you could argue you could put Dame uh, or no Dame. Dame has been putting in work also. Uh, who is another person? I'm trying to think. Not Kyrie. I'm not putting Kyrie on that list. If if John Wall never got hurt, I put John Wall over Kyrie. I was thinking John Wall, yeah. but at the same time, John Wall doesn't have that postseason success. <sighs> That's true. So I couldn't. I'll just keep. I'll just keep Kobe. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Unless I move him up, I'm keeping him at three. Okay, That's cool. a great choice. Um, and then after that, we got Paul George, a six-time um, All Star and five-time All NBA. Uh, went to the conference finals twice. Uh, obviously, he didn't get too far because of LeBron James and that team in Miami Heat. And he averaged 26 and three. Um, had a gruesome injury, came back and still played and is still playing at an elite level this past season. Um, you know, uh, he was runner up or finished top three in voting for MVP. Um, and should have won, I think, honestly, defensive player of the year for real, for real this year. But they gave it to Rudy Gobert. How do you feel about Paul George up there? Um, I like what Paul is um, at third team. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows how great he would be without that hurt. crazy freak injury? I don't know. I mean, I feel like we're seeing what he should be now. You think? Yeah. I mean, he he's sl- he's, he can argue he's slightly less athletic, but I feel like he got the injury so young that I think he's fine. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just feel like... Without that injury, he would have had like more opportunity to be pushed more okay. like, to an upper echelon. Because mm. as far as tiers, he's not in that. He's like at the top of that two tier for me. Yeah, he's definitely a two tier. Yeah. So, um, but I love him at this spot at number three. Uh, mm. I think it's well deserved. I think he earned it. Mm. Got it out the mud. Um, honestly, I like him where he at. I like where he at. You could, you could swap. You could swap him with Clay, honestly, if you wanted to. Clay backcourt though, but it's crazy because PG came into the league as a two guard. I mean, I feel like at this point, like it's like point guard and then like wings. Yeah. Like I feel like he's a wing. Clay's a wing. Yeah. I don't know, but I think he deserves it. This is a good spot for me. Okay. Moving on, we got Lamarcus Aldridge, uh, seven-time All-Star, five-time All NBA, average twenty-one nine and two. Um, I really wasn't upset about it uh, because he's been pretty consistent every year he's played. Um, obviously, never got that playoff success that he wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to one conference finals appearance with the San Antonio Spurs, and if Kawhi never went down, who knows what happens. Um, but, you know, every year he's been to playoffs since he's been in the league, I believe. Um, and, I mean, when I just think of him, I just think of a guy who's – doesn't he stays? He's pretty even keel. Don't get, don't get too high. Don't get too low. And just does his job. Um, I don't think he should be a number one option. He clearly proved that. But uh, I like what he's. I like what he's been doing. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I can't really. I don't really argue against like numbers. Don't lie. Yeah. Um, I'm along with you. Uh, Marcus on this list is like okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's one of those. Uh, 
Nine to five guy <laughs> comes five in guys. with his briefcase, does his job, and then leaves. Um, <laughs> he doesn't get recognition for it, and um, I'm glad they recognized him. Uh, these last two people, <laughs> yeah. these last two people uh, could be like switches for me. Mm-hmm. I would switch them with uh, Dirk. Dirk? I was thinking Dirk, too. Um, and I had those stats up there, too. I was like, I might swap them. Um, so Dirk, finals MVP, uh, he actually beat LeBron James, that team, which was crazy. I didn't think that was going to happen. Um, so, yeah, he dethroned the first all-decade super team um, in the Miami Heat with LeBron, Bosch, and Wade. Six all-star selections, um, six playoff appearances. Um, during that stint, averaged 18, 6, and 2, 89% from um, the free throw line, 38% from, fr- from three, uh, 47% field goal percentage, um, and you can, you can kind of argue with Kobe as well, too. Those last three years, um, he's battling a little nagging injuries, and he started to get a reduced role, but right. yeah, I wouldn't be mad if you swapped him um, with LaMarcus Aldridge, bro, for real. Yeah. But yeah, no no complaints. No complaints. Uh, I, I have no feelings towards no, LaMarcus <laughs> being on it. <laughs> go Spurs, go. Um, and then this one's interesting, too. Giannis, uh, Three-time All-Star um, and three-time All-NBA, average 19, 8, and 4. I don't think he should be up there. Uh, he hasn't really proved anything yet. Now, he's been improving these last three seasons. Obviously, he was an MVP. I think that's one of the reasons why, because he was an MVP. But D, D. Rose is an MVP, too, this decade. Um, but God, with him. about my man, D. Rose? If he never got hurt, he probably would have been on first team. Um, but, yeah, uh, Giannis, I just felt like he – his body of work really hasn't spoken for himself yet, and I feel like he has, he's barely scratched the surface. Um, and I don't know. Honestly, I might be wilding. Uh, <laughs> I said if I had to replace him, um, just as an all-around type of player, I may put Draymond Green there. And I said that group message, y'all, like, Yo, you're sick. Um, Draymond Green, even though his numbers are kind of eh, uh, average 9, 7, Nine nine points, seven rebounds, five assists, one block, one steal. I think he – without him, there would be no um, Golden State Warriors. I feel like you can argue that he's probably this decade the greatest point forward um, of this decade and one of the top defenders and leaders um, of, this era, of this era as well too. Um, and I feel like he's one of the main reasons why small ball is a thing as well too. Um, and obviously with the Warriors' success, um, he's done some great things. Three-time All-Star, uh, obviously three-time champ, five-time All-Defensive team, two-time All-NBA. He led the league um, in steals in 2016-17 season. Um, and like I said, uh, five time, five straight finals appearances. But it sucks because he – he had he has a different role, but I just feel like what he did what he did for the game and how he changed small ball um, and his tenacity his fierce his fierce fullness um, I you could argue he can be swapped there too, but that's a tough one too. I just feel like with Giannis, like although he's been putting in that work, he's he hasn't been here for that long of a time and he hasn't really done anything. But anything you want to add to that? Um, yeah, uh, I agree with you. I don't think. Giannis has been off the porch long enough uh-huh. to uh, deserve this decade's team nomination for three. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel as if we could keep Lamarcus now and we could replace Giannis <laughs> with Dirk. Dirk, yeah, um, okay, yeah. And that would equal that would uh, definitely make me feel a lot better about this third team list. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I also feel as if at one point, at what point do you give like Dwight some credit in any of this? I mean, this decade. That's the thing. No, at the end of his. If we look, all right, yeah, I guess. No. I guess with him, it's the same as Kobe, though. Like, what has Dwight done this decade, though? Not this decade, all right, but like the beginning of this decade, Dwight was still a force. Yeah, so basically, he was still a force. That's once, that's all. Once I, he got tra- once once he got traded to the Lakers, that. And what I'm saying is, if we're able to look at Giannis for what the last three years. We could look at Dwight for his, the first three years. You know what I'm saying? Do you argue that with D Rose when he's not on D that Rose list? as well? Exactly. Yeah. I just yeah, that's. A, but I was I was just speaking Dwight because like you said, Cause front of, and back. Okay. Uh, hell, I could even put Boogie. You know what I'm saying? Because despite being shitty, Marcus All, Marcus All, Zebo, not Zebo. <laughs> um, Marcus All, that was a great choice though. Yeah, I didn't I like, even think of that. Yeah, actually. Marcus All was actually tough. He was putting in work. Mm-hmm. I mean, truthfully, you could, you might put, uh, you could, you could put power, put power up here. Yeah. That's the thing. Um, so for real, his last bad, his last good year was the the year they went to conference finals with the Spurs. You still putting work that year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just felt as if um, it's a little premature for Giannis, but he's definitely gonna be, if not first, maybe second team next next decade list. Oh, I feel as if definitely for sure, for sure, definitely. Moving on, next topic: the Rich Paul. Whoa, what's up? What's up? Draymond Green. <laughs> I, I, I'm just gonna let you live on that one. We go ahead. Yeah, 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 for sure. We good. We good. So moving on, um, the Rich Paul rule. So one year ago, the NCAA announced that college basketball players testing the NBA draft waters will be able to seek the guidance of an agent without losing their el- eligibility. Um, so this past Tuesday, the NCAA issued a memo which fine-tuned the restrictions around which agents. Um, athletes are allowed to hire. So basically they put new rules in hand and what the rules are saying is um, an underclassman can work with the agent and retain his eligibility. So an underclassman who um, is working with an agent, um, let me see, retains his eligibility should uh, be able, can can decide to return to a school provided. So basically they changed the requirements for an agent um, to work with a college athlete who wants to go to the NBA, um, who's testing the waters essentially. So now they change the restrictions. You have to have a bachelor's degree. Um, you have to be certified by the NBA Players Association for the last three years. You have to pass an in-person exam administered at the NCAA National Office in Indianapolis. Um, and that's blasphemy. Um, what are your thoughts on that? It's just kind of crazy. Um, because I feel like these regulations are really put into place to protect. They said it's put into place to protect student athletes for being taken advantage of, but I feel like it's another form of exploitation by the NCAA. I don't really like it too because I think it's kind of unnecessary who the NCAA can control on, like who gets to represent them. You know, what I'm saying that's another right. step that you're taking, um, and that really has to do nothing with the NCAA as well too. Because if you're, I mean. I guess if they're testing the waters and they don't think they they will get drafted a year, or don't think their stock will be that high, then you can go back. But I just feel like it's BS, and I think it it's more so geared towards Pac people of color, because when you look at it for real, for real, well, Rich Paul he really didn't fit that description. He uh, only went to college, I believe, for I think he like went to college for a little bit. Um, 
but you know, I don't necessarily think you need a college degree to be successful at all. There's a lot of people who have went to college, even people that I've been around who graduated from college, are still not doing nothing, still not utilizing, um, you know, their degree, or you know, they just don't have that drive as well too. Um, and I just feel like, historically speaking you know, minorities are already at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, that kind of, you know, backtracks a little bit as well too. But how do you feel about um, the Rich Paul rule? This Rich Paul rule is yet another example of what happens when you beat someone at their game. Mm-hmm. Speak it, man. Go ahead. Um, I feel as if, like, when you look at it, if you look in detail at this rule, it was specifically made for those smaller and for those smaller agencies and smaller agents to suffer as the bigger more known more mainstream agencies and no offense to any like race or anything but yeah. those bigger uh majority white people and agencies and agents to get this type of business from the student athletes. Mm -hmm. If you look at the rule, the first one, like you said, they have to have a bachelor's degree. Why? (laughs) Why? I could have a degree in biology and then that (laughs) qualify, like, does that check it off the list? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel as if the bachelor's degree is simply anything. Um, Chris Carter from uh, First Things First, he had a very... um, great quote he said uh he was offered a college a college coaching position he He graduated college (laughs) he he doesn't have a degree he didn't finish college but him having that experience gave them or gave him that extra edge so i feel as if with rich paul rich paul gets people paid and i feel like the not i don't even think it's the nba i feel like the ncaa they have a problem with him getting student athletes paid because they don't want to pay their athletes. You see Which what I'm saying? Doesn't make any sense. So because of that, I just feel as if this was keyed solely on him. And another thing with this rule, the other rule, uh, um, uh, in-person exam by the NCAA. <laughs> What could possibly be on that exam? Like, what do you think is going to be on that exam? That makes me think that through, like, depending on the person who's taking the exam, the question or the exam will change. And that right there is Mm. discrimination in itself. Yeah. Um, So I don't like this rule. Um, Of course, I'll have to look more into it as far as, like, the ins and outs. Like, uh, if you have to have a certain degree or is there a strict criteria that you stick to or curriculum that you stick to when giving administering the exam. But, um, yeah, another example of trying to keep the black man down. Yeah, so it's definitely reinforcing networks, like you said, to the mass, to the majorities in the United States. Um, and it just sucks, too, because, like, college is expensive. Exactly. College is very expensive. Not everyone, you know can afford that. So, you know, that just puts people at a disadvantage, which is another scam, which, which, which just doesn't make sense. But we'll see what's good with that. Um, I think Rich Paul is still going to find a loophole around it. Yeah. So, you know, even though he's not 
qualified mm. to do that. He can still hire like a little intern or hire someone basically and then or, or have like a little puppet for him. So hire that person mm-hmm. and they can get in touch with these upcoming players who want to test the waters. And if they sign to that agency, you can reel them in, you know what I'm saying, and I transfer them even, over. So you, you never even thought about yeah, that. Yeah, so you can you can work around a loophole with that. So um I, I, and like I feel as if um not to say, not to diminish the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not to diminish how profound a degree is mm-hmm. or diminish the hard work of others, but I feel like he can get a degree from somewhere mm-hmm. for f- fairly easy. Yeah. Um, nowadays, they give celebrities degrees for anything. Yeah. Um, but um, I feel as if... I guess it's just the principle, too. Yeah, it's the principle. It's mm-hmm. definitely the principle. But I feel as if, like you said, he's going to beat it. He's going to find some way to get past it. He's been outsmarting them so far. Yeah. And he's just going to continue to do it. He playing chess while y'all playing checkers. Nah. <laughs> Next topic, uh, CJ McCullum um, was on the Wolves podcast, and he was basically talking about um, you know their past success in the playoffs um, this offseason, Team USA, um, Kawhi, these free agent signings, all the good stuff. Um, so basically, uh, they were talking about Team USA and you know people just dropping out, people just dropping out um, out of nowhere. Um, so some notable quotes: He said their decision didn't affect me. I was thinking about me. I was thinking about the Portland Trailblazers and my family. Uh, I think that other guys looked at it like, why would I want to go potentially be the face of what could be a losing roster because all these other superstars dropped out, um, or the or the workload part. Um, if we all played, the workload is less. 20, 25 minutes, you're getting blowouts, whatever. You're moving on. A lot of guys don't play. Your minutes might go up. Your uses might go up, and that affects your summer as you head into March when that crash comes. Um, guys got to start, um, you know, worrying about that in March, April. So biggest takeaway from that is, like, why do you think – do you agree? I, I mean, I feel like – I guess my question is, like, why do you think people are dropping out? And um, one of the things I think is just because of the timing, because I think – the the um, the tournament or whatever I think that starts like a couple weeks before training camp and the fact that they had to travel a lot does take a toll on his body and another thing is there's no more super team so the league is wide open and you're only good you're only getting paid for your actual NBA team that you're attached to you know I don't think you're really getting that much of an incentive being um, on Team USA so I feel like a lot of players are like yo why risk my health um, and whatnot, you know, when I think I have a shot to win a championship or at least contend for a title this year. Um, any thoughts you have on that? Um, first off, I just want to say I feel like CJ is a very well-spoken guy, man. Oh, yeah. Do you ever listen to his podcast? I do. Pull-up okay, podcast? Occasionally, yeah. It's, it's dope. I was ready to say I feel like um, he's well-spoken, and um, he usually has, like, a good idea of, like, the consensus around the league, you mm-hmm. know? Um, I feel as if... It was big. What was big was uh, health factors yeah. for a lot of people. Um, of course, AD health factor with this big season, like you said, is wide open. This mm-hmm. big season coming up. Um, Paul George and Kawhi, the load management. Yeah, you got to keep that in mind. Um, also, with this USA and this FIBA stuff, um, in the last decade or more so the last five years, it's been more about building, like, young talent because the U.S. is good. Like, we're, we're like, one of the top teams every year, if not the top team. 
for basketball. Easily, mm. easily. So um, it's not really, like you said, much motivation as far as, like, getting paid. Maybe, of course, like, vets who've been there before, they, they got their medals. Yeah. Or they've had their experience. So it's like, why waste my time? Not time, but why waste my good, um, not energy. Well, you could say energy, but health. why why waste my health on playing for free, essentially, mm-hmm. when it's majority for the experience? Yeah. So I um I like his comments. I think they were spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel as if USA could still win without those vets who I think they can too. They may have a little trouble, but they'll figure it out. And Coach yeah. Pop is the face of that team too. So if there's exactly. any person to lead them to a championship, I think Coach Pop got them. And I like, I mean, I like who we got so far. Yeah. I mean, they haven't announced the team, but Donovan like Mitchell, um, Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Um, they got some pretty good players right now. I was gonna say I just like I like that um how they go about it now and like they get people to try out and um how they welcome the young talent more. Mm-hmm. Um like I'm go- I'm I wanna see what Joe Harris, who we rarely see or we know as a shooter, could bring to our team USA team. Mm-hmm. I wanna see uh Kimber Walker who's on a certain tier now or we have him put at a certain level. I wanna see if he could rise up and be like a leader for a team USA or something like that, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So um, I actually like it. Uh, I'll still end up watching it. I was just about to say, like um, a lot of people, I think I feel like the view, the views are gonna go down because we don't have these superstars. But I'm an NBA fan, so I was gonna say, real, I want to see them eat. True NBA and basketball fans, or even just USA fans, yeah. will watch mm-hmm. the uh, World Cup uh, Olympics. But I feel as if it was a great decision by the vets to step down. And another thing, too, is CJ was talking about, he was like, yo, like, why would I have to go on this? Like, like why would I, even though I got invited, like you said, you still got to try out, but the fact that all these other superstars dropped out, like James Harden, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, et cetera, et cetera, Kawhi Leonard, they're like, yo, so if I make this team and I play this year, because this year is just to qualify for the World Cup, next year World Cup comes around, I don't have a guaranteed spot because what if these what if these superstars want to come back? They're they're gonna you're not gonna go if Kawhi says he wants to play, you're gonna let him play. If Paul George says he wants to play, Russell Westbrook, they're gonna get that spot. Exactly. So he was like, yo, it's kind of irrelevant. That's it. So I mean, we're gonna see. Uh moving on from that, Carmelo Anthony. Uh last week, Friday, he sat down with Stephen A. Smith. Um, he talked about his stint uh with the Rockets and then also talked about like missed opportunities getting a championship and whatnot. So basically to me. We haven't heard from him basically since, uh, you know, his 10-game stint with the Rockets. And to me, this interview is about him coming to terms with um, who he is as a player now and then basically trying to reinstate himself in the NBA and just try to clear up all the negative, um, you know, things that people have been saying about him. So, and he um, also got denied from tryouts. Oh, yeah. For the USA team. Yeah, I mean... I feel like they just didn't want extra drama added to it. And I, like you said, they, they're welcoming young talent. I think they just want to take a completely new route. Uh, I understand that. Mm. Um, I just felt as if, as if it was a little... I mean, they don't owe Melo anything, granted. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was more of a slap in the face because this is a man who's been on multiple USA teams, multiple gold medals. 
at least give him the option to try out. Whether he looks at it like, hey, LeBron, AD, all these people, they denied it. I'm going to be out here with these young guys. And he rejects it. That's okay. At least give him the option. The fact that you deny him, it was kind of like, it rubbed me the wrong way. And if I'm mellow, I'm already feeling some type of way as to how the league is moving uh, around me. Yeah. But I feel like that, that's even that's even worse for him if he gets the option to try out and don't even make it. That That's a bad look on him. <laughs> I mean, but that's also something like it's a realization and it yeah. gives you it gives the other like other teams and NBA teams but, to look at that as well. But yeah, I'm saying like but if you don't make it, I think that that hurts his chances of even trying to get on an NBA team too. I mean, at this point <laughs> at this point like it's either you got to show us something at this point, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And I that would have gave them at least at the tryouts if he did try out, it would have gave other teams like a Lakers, a Bucks, a Clippers, a yeah. Nets who need someone to come in for like KD or something. Yeah to see him and see like what he has to offer see if he has changed his game a little bit see if there's something different see if he's more aggressive on the defensive end you know what i'm saying okay Okay. just give them double-edged sword yeah give him that chance to prove himself all or nothing type chance you know what i'm saying okay i like that then and that's the only reason i felt like that was kind of disrespectful yeah um yeah so yeah uh 10 games still with the rockets and basically, after that tenth game, um, game eleven, they were supposed to go to San Antonio to go play against the, the Spurs. And he said he was in his hotel, about to get ready. Um, and then basically, Daryl Morey reached out to him, and he basically said that uh, they're going to release him and that his services are no longer needed. Um, he basically said he accepted, you know, already coming off the bench, even though he didn't want to. Um, then he contacted Harden and CP3. And basically, they said they knew nothing about it, had a heart-to-heart with CP3. And basically, he was saying that it was deeper than basketball. Do you think that his stint with the Rockets was deeper than basketball? Um, hmm. Yes. Hmm. Why is that? Now, deeper than basketball to whom is where I'm kind of stuck at. Um, whether it was just uh, – what's uh, Rockets GM name? Daryl Murray. Daryl Murray, yeah, whether it was just his doing or whether it was, like, a league-wide thing, like, he has been talking with other GMs and other, like, coaches, blah, 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 and they want him out. I do feel like at this point and then with the Rockets, it was deeper than basketball. When Melo was on the Rockets, um, as he said in his interview, it was brought to his attention that that – he was the missing link, that they needed him. Yeah, that's how they recruited him, And right? that's that's what was stressed to him, that they needed him. And um, if that was the case, like, I feel like with that and with trust and everything, it's a line of communication you have to have. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that line of communication wasn't handled properly, not with the players, but with the GM and Melo. Um, I feel as if, like, he was averaging, I want to say, like, 15 points. Uh, like, what, like, I want to say, like, I could look it. But he was averaging, like, 15 points. He was averaging about three three assists and, like, I want to say, like, five rebounds while he was playing with the Rockets. Yeah. So, and that, as from, that from a player who you want to come off the bench mm-hmm. is ridiculous. Like, that's enough to be... 14-5? Uh, 14-5? That was enough. That's enough to, what, make any bench at that point. 
I think. It, it just don't make no sense. Like, there's, what, 450 players in the NBA, and what, for the most part, you on each team during the regular season, you play 9 to 10, maybe 11 players. And then you don't even let them dress out? Yeah. That's, it's, it's definitely bigger than basketball. If you don't even let him finish off his 10-day and then tell him to his face as a man. Your services are no longer, are no longer needed. needed. Like, your 10-day is up, that we don't want you no more. But instead, you call him while he's in San Antonio to tell him over the phone. It's, it's something going on there, and he still doesn't have a job. And he's not worse than 300 people playing in the league. Like, I get players like a Kyle Korver or three-point specialists or Vince Carter. Like, what? Like, Let it just don't make no sense. I feel like, obviously, he's came to terms that he's not a starter anymore. We get that. But his skill set, it can still be utilized. And my thing is, like, yo, you can be coming off the bench, and you can literally play around him. Like, I feel like he can be utilized and be that primary option where when he comes off the bench, you can still get him in the post and let him do his mid-range game and then have someone who can clean up for him. So, obviously, he's not going to guard a wing. He's probably going to guard a four. Um, have a guy behind him, like, a, let's say, for example, a Capella who can clean up after him and then just surround him with shooters. I feel like that would, he would thrive like that. Man, listen. Tyrone Wallace, Ryan Brokaw, Anthony Tolliver, Joakim Noah, Chandler Parsons. Chandler Parsons. These are players who have contracts on an NBA roster right now. You telling me that Melo is not better than any of these players? Melo does not deserve to be on one roster? Even if he's not getting those minutes that he wants, he doesn't deserve to be on a roster. Do you know what type of impact uh, Melo could have on a playoff team, especially with injuries and everything? Uh, it's something going on. Um, I hope we get to the bottom of it and figure out exactly what it is or whatever it was comes to light and shows itself and is expressed to the world as to why he's been what I think is like blackballed. Even though it's not for the same prestigious reasons or whatever, what have you, I feel as if Melo has turned into a Colin Kaepernick in basketball. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you think he misses his opportunity on the ring? Because that was another thing they were talking about as well, too. It was an initial idea of him to actually be part of that big three um, and won't even post to be Chris Bosh. So basically, oh, Brown and D-Way was like, yo, just sign this four-year deal. Don't sign a five-year, $80 million deal. And then once your fourth year is up, we can all possibly team up together. So at the time, it was an idea. It wasn't set in stone. But mm -hmm. I feel like at that age, Melo was just trying to get his money. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Um, but do you think he missed out on the ring? Um, you know, not For potentially, sure. you know, teaming up with him. And then he could, sure. he, should, he could also went to go play with D. Rose, Jimmy Butler, and while Joe was still in his prime. But he elected to stay in New York, too. Okay. Yeah. All right. So with that Miami debacle, how he could have been in Bosch's place for Miami, I feel as if, yeah, he did miss out. But thinking, as he explained, being a young, like you said, 23, 24, 22, however old he was, being in your, your younger 20s, mm -hmm. five years, 80 million sitting on the table, for a team that you absolutely love, a team that you have no problem with, you 
enjoy. You can see people putting pieces around you. You see what your team has to offer to go play with your friends. When at the time, playing with friends was not something that was happening. This was big three thing killer wasn't. Killer be killed back then. It was then. killer be killed. Um, I feel like as far as the Nuggets go, I would have done the same thing. I'm looking at five years, $80 million. At nope. that time when the salary cap ain't up, that's a lot of money. I was ready to say $80 million back then. I know everyone's getting those $100 million, $200 million contracts now. $80 million was like that then. <laughs> it was like that. So if I was him, once I saw all that, I most definitely probably would have reacted the same way. Me too. Now, going fast forward, going to his next contract, the New York contract, when he could have opted out and went to the Bulls to be with a prime D-Rose, uh, up-and-coming Jimmy Butler, a prime Taj Gibson and prime Noah, with a Luau who was still healthy. That right there is where Melo disappoints me. When I look at him and I'm just... About the bread. Big dummy. <laughs> just dumb. Just dumb. He makes... As much as I love Melo... Those moments make me look at Melo, and I'm like, you deserve this second team. You deserve this second <laughs> team. Because you gave up a chance to play with a great defensive-minded team in their prime with a superstar when you were a offensive juggernaut. That would have been the perfect team for you because you literally – didn't have to defend that much. They would have probably beat Miami at least once. You you didn't even have to defend LeBron. You didn't have to defend the best player. You could chill, sag off. And I just feel like, I feel like it was more, for him, it was more of like going on a leap of faith and trusting than a money grab at that point. Mm -hmm. But the media just portrayed it as a money grab, and all around it was dumb. Yeah, It was dumb. He wasn't looking at a championship. Mm-hmm. He was looking at being a hometown hero. Mm-hmm. Cool. Moving on from that, KD. Uh, we haven't heard from KD since the Achilles injury. And then um, Chris Haynes, who has probably been one of the best, uh, you know, aside from like uh, Woj, you know, mm-hmm. being in contact with NBA players and whatnot. Um, you guys should definitely, you know, uh, check out his podcast as well, too. But yeah. he sat down with um, KD. In Malibu, um, and basically this was his first time speaking out um, since uh, his injury. And he had a couple good quotes. Um, first one was Chris Haynes asked, did the Warriors mishandle your injury? He said, hell no. Um, how can you blame the Warriors? Um, I heard the Warriors pressure me into getting back. Nobody uh, never said a word to me during rehab as I was coming back. It was only me and the director of sports and performance working out every day. Um, and then right when the series started, I targeted game five. Um, it just happened. You know, as basketball shit happens. Nobody was responsible for it. Um, it was just a game. So we just need to move on from that shit because I'm going back to – I'm going to be back playing. Um, do you think um, that he was pressured? Um, I think at the end of the day um, – I mean, it's just crazy because with KD, the way the media portrays it, that he has such thin skin mm-hmm. that um, that whenever someone says something, that he really actually buys into that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would make me think that they did pressure him and they felt like he needed him. But at the end of the day, if the doctors are clearing you to play, 
Um, you're gonna play. You're gonna play it. If you're a competitor, you're play, if you're gonna play, yeah, and it's the play. for the for a ring, you go and play. So I don't think I necessarily pressured him. Now I think he had thoughts about it, but at the end of the day, I think he was like, "All right, well, this is what they're telling me. Um, if anything, I'm just gonna re-injure my calf. I cannot injure my Achilles. Let's let's do it." Because he said he started doing two days again. Um, even when you saw him play. Uh, before game one, I mean, before game five, mm-hmm. um, in the pregame, everything looked fine. Yeah. I was actually scared. I was like, damn. <laughs> if there's anything to come back from 3-1 with KD there. You just saw the first couple minutes, like, yo, this shit over. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't think he I, I don't think he was pressure. I think, you know, people asked how he was doing and do you think he's going to come back? But I think it was more so trusting his body and the people around him um, and just that willpower to come out there and compete. Um, what I will say is uh, whether they pressured him or not, mm-hmm. Um, I have no clue. I do not. I think with KD, it was a more internal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, how someone can concede a certain thing as far as if me and you are on a team mm-hmm. and you are the star player mm-hmm. and um, you're injured and I come to you, I'm like, hey, man, we really could have used you out there. How you perceive that may be like, damn, I have to get back. It's, it may be pressure, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And how I how I could throw it at you is just like, we miss you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like with KD, and like you said, the media portrays him as a thin-skinned person. I feel mm-hmm. like he was taking everyone's words every day. And he, even though he probably, I feel as if basketball players don't really watch Sports Center and all the analyst things as You'd much. You'd be surprised. Some but with KD, I feel as if he does watch. watch and he every, listens. Everything. And he, he had a burner account. <laughs> <laughs> and he analyzes everything. So I feel as if... That's not good for your mental health, B. At all. So I feel like with that targeting, the game five, regardless of what happened, mm. whether the doctors told him, no, you can't be clear, regardless of people pressuring him, like, hey, come back before. Yeah. When he came back that game five, he was going to come back, whether he was at 20% or 100%. Yeah, and he said, too, in the extras, I'm not going to really quote it, but he said he was targeting game five the whole entire time. So exactly. he, he pretty much made up his mind that he was going to, you know. Um, so whether that pressure was coming from them or not, I felt like he was feeling it regardless. Yeah. So props to him. Um, you know, I think he's going to come back. Great. Is he gonna? Do you think he's gonna come back a hundred percent or the KD that we know of? I think he um, may, if anything, just lose a step defensively. But the way his offensive package is, he's still putting up those numbers. Yeah. Um. I liked uh, that last little part on KD. He uh, kind of like popped off a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. where he was like, uh, "Don't worry about this shit. Uh, I'm coming back. I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna play, be playing basketball just how I was." Yeah. Um. I like how he came with that aggressiveness, that edge, give him some more motivation. Mm-hmm. Has me kind of hype, ready to see what he's going to be like. But yeah. um, I feel like he's, he's going to come back. I feel like he's going to take that whole year off. Mm-hmm. I feel like he should. Um, it's no rush. Him and Kyrie are there for multiple years. Um, Four and, years, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and it gives their team, the younger ones anyway, time to, Dinwiddie, their to, big like, guy. to like really develop and get that experience because they will be big in playoffs. Mm-hmm. So um, it gives it that time to develop. Um, so I see him coming back at 100, what 100 is now. Um, maybe not elevating like he used to. Um, as far as speed, he's like a lanky guy. He never was like the most, like the fastest or the most explosive. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that won't hurt too much. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm eager to see how it, how it'll affect his jump shot though, because mm-hmm. you're jumping constantly on your jump shot. He's a shooter, he's a shooter. volume. So I think he'll come back good. He'll still. I think he'll come back still top five. That'll be dope. Still top two. Now he, I don't think so. Now if he comes back, hypothetically speaking, and his first year back, they go to the finals and win the chip. Where is that? Samantha's legacy. See, that's <laughs> <laughs> you got me there. You got me there. All right, so knowing the injury history, it honestly depends on performances in the finals. Because we know, well, you and I both know, Kyrie's doesn't take a backseat. Mm. He's not gonna take no backseat. Um, and I hope Katie wouldn't put him in that position or in that box as to he's gonna take the backseat mm-hmm. type thing. Um, if he came in and they won and he won finals MVP, he making would, it. He would win finals MVP, I think. I don't think Kyrie would win it. I don't hey. It's KD. Uh, okay, it's a KD off an of Achilles injury and a Kyrie who is eager to show people that he could do it as number one. But I feel like if that at that point, like if you're if you're in the finals when he gets back, I'm assuming that KD's playing at that top five level. Okay. All right. All yeah. right. When you look at it like that, yeah. yeah like he, but at the end of the day, the finals is the finals. Yeah. Kyrie could come out and drop forty each game with KD dropping twenty five, five and five, and yeah, end up winning. You know. Yeah. But like I said, I still see him being top five, just not top two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like uh, Kawhi or a Giannis or even an AD will finally make that that upper echelon push to mm. push Katie out of that number two position. I'm excited to see the Nets going up against the Celtics, Pacers, Bucks, um, and the 76ers. It's going to be pretty pretty interesting. NBA fun with the ball, though, bro. On that uh, that Celtics, was it Celtics versus some, it was Celtics versus someone for Christmas, that Christmas game. All the Christmas games are great, except for that one. It's that one it should have been Nets Celtics, but it's like Celtics somebody, hmm. and it's really annoying me. Oh damn! Yeah, no, that's not it. Uh, they're playing against the. It's just really been bothering me. I don't know. On Christmas Day, Raptors. Yes. I don't. I don't think that's a bad game. Um, and Celtics I talk- Raptors. I don't think so. Uh, because I, I have they're first and foremost they're the reigning champions so you got to give them their respect and two I feel like the Raptors are still going to be a solid team they're still going to be competitive and I think Pascal Siakam is going to take that next leap right there so I was, I was talking to Drew on the episode before this he's going to probably average 22 to 25 points per game this year um, but I think they're Nick Nurse is a great coach they still got Kyle Lowry they still got Marcus Gasol oh, he's emerging uh, like it we so, wanted Kyrie versus Kemba. We did. That's what we wanted. We, we wanted Kyrie we versus Kemba. We wanted Kemba. We want Kyrie to walk in there and get booed. Mm-hmm. And once that he got booed, to have a historic Christmas Day game. Yeah. That. I mean, I'm not mad against that, but like I said, I, I'm only. Now we gotta watch Kyle Lowry versus Kemba. <laughs> Come on, man. I mean, yeah, but like I said, the only reason they're on there is because they won the championship. Yeah. So I ain't too mad about that. 
So next thing I want to talk about, just bring up real quick, is uh, the fact that the NBA is, is going to require every team to have a licensed mental health professional on retainer this year. Um, I love that because I feel like the last couple of years, um, mental health has been a huge thing. And, you know, with people opening up and expressing their true feelings, that's always been viewed as like a sign of weakness. So I'm excited that, you know, players now in the NBA are going to have that um, personal standby and, you know, they can walk them or talk them through anything that's going on with them because there's, there's a lot of things, um, you know, that go unnoticed. And I feel like mental health is just something that we got to tackle, um, not even as a, you know, a nation, but just as a society in general. Uh, what are your thoughts on all that? Um, well, first, I just want to commend Kevin Love and DeMar DeRozan because um, speaking out about uh, mental health issues, um, especially as a male and even going further as an athlete, um, it's a big step. Um, I know with athletes, we usually look at them as a box <coughs> or someone who's like a figure who is very strong. Um, and sometimes they are often the most vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So um, the fact that the NBA is moving forward or forward as far as um, adding a mental health professional and someone who uh, deals with mental health situations onto each team is, um, I feel like, very monumental. Yeah. And the results of, like, how monumental and how, like, important it is won't, like, start to reach the surface and everyone won't start to, like, see how important that is. But um, I feel like later on, like, as we progress with it, I feel like you'll start to notice um, how healthy mentally uh, the NBA athletes have become and how they are able to express what they're going through with other people. For sure, for sure. And the fact that, you know, we have so many role models that we look up to, especially people of color as well, too, mm -hmm. that's going to make other people go to seek help um, in regards to mental issues. So I like that a lot, too. Of course. Cool. Last thing I want to talk about is Ben Simmons. So Ben Simmons returned to Australia, um, and when he went there, he went with a couple of his boys at a casino, um, and he basically felt that he felt singled out. So basically, him and his crew went to Melbourne, Melbourne's Crown Casino, and he posted a video on IG that implied that he had been racially stopped by security. And as since, um, he's taken out that video. Um, but basically, he asked in the video why um, did he and two of his black friends um, get carded at the casino when he came with one of his white friends who basically didn't get carded, went straight through. So um, that caught a lot of stir, and he felt like he was discriminated against. Um, and basically he said that, um, you know, he's going to do any and everything. So basically he said, he tweeted, as you know, an incident happened last night at Crown and my friend and I felt personally singled out. No one likes to feel like this. And I'm very passionate about equality and I will always speak up even if it means having uncomfortable conversations. So to me, um, I think, welcome to the club, buddy. Uh, <laughs> I think this is like... This is something you probably never had to go through, being biracial. I mean, being the fact that you're biracial, being the fact that you've been an athlete, you get a lot of passes. But as African and the fact that you live in Australia, you know, um, when you're in the United States, you they will constantly remind you of who you are. Um, so Definitely. I'm glad that you got that moment, um, and I and I hope you know you what from what you take away from, what you can take away from this is. Um, you're black <laughs> and no matter 
no matter the status you are, you're always going to be viewed as an African-American. So um, hopefully this is a learning lesson that you can not even a learning lesson. Hopefully this is a lesson that you can, you know, um, reach out to, you know, reach out to people um, and, you know, try to make a difference and try to help with this battle against racism for real, for real. Um, and also, uh, just commend him, um, cause, uh, I don't know whether he's dealt with it before, um, yeah. but I know, I'm sure you have. And oh, I for have, sure. I have for as well. Sure. Um, certain situations like that tend to bring out not the best person in someone, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, um, he didn't take his, he didn't take any privilege that he has as an athlete. Um, he didn't take anything as far as. Like, he didn't take it in a, like, even though it was a negative situation and what happened to him was not right at all and it was wrong, Mm. he took it as a a grain of salt. He he posted his video to make people aware of it and to make people aware of what the Crown Casino was doing. Yeah. Um, But he wasn't uh, irate in the video at all. Um, And he even ended up taking the video down. And then he went on later to tweet something that was very respectful and like just giving the understanding to the situation so Mm -hmm. i feel like um he acted very political Mm -hmm. in in his response to it um will something go further with this we don't know but um yeah like you said welcome to the club (laughs) i'm glad you handled it the right way handled the right way definitely um so that's all that we have for today Ladies and gentlemen, um, this is episode 58 of the Caesars show. Thanks, Wave, a.k.a. Hood Woj, coming up here. Um, It's been a long time coming. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm proud of that. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Follow me on all forms of social media at Sir Caesars and the Caesars show itself, available on all platforms as well, too. Um, So do yourself a favor, follow, subscribe, check out, spread the love. And anything you want to add to this? Um... Nothing that I can think of off the top of my head, uh, other than, you know, hot boys up 20. (laughs) 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 All right, ladies and gentlemen, episode 58 of the Caesar Show.